0: To, to Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Two Timothy 4, verses 1
1: to 8, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his king and kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We're in that age right now. You and I live in that age. That according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will always heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. The truth is God's word. They will turn from God's word. Are you a student of God's word? Do you know what it says? Do you believe it? During the course of uh, one of the things in uh, VBS this week. Uh, We showed some videos and one of them had the word believe. And it was B-E in black letters, then L-I-E in red letters, and then the rest of the V-E. So lies stood out in the word believe. Is your belief mixed in with lies? Is there a portion of your belief system that is mixed up in lies simply because of your ignorance of God's word. Verse 5, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Are you fulfilling your ministry as a child of God? You don't have to be a pastor, an elder, a deacon. You don't have to be. You're a child of God. Are you reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ in this world that is passing away and it's very close to ending? You might not like to believe that. Satan would love for you to believe that this planet's going to continue forever. But God has told us that it's ending, it's winding down. We might not be here in a month, three months, five months. Are you ready? Seriously, are we ready to go? Verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Are you looking forward to the day when Jesus appears? I am. I am. I can't wait. This world is messed up. Oh my goodness. It's getting worse. If you don't think it's getting worse, I don't know where you've been. Seriously. You're hiding from the fact of what's going on in this world. I had to put my flags at half mass today for our poor young people that are being killed over in Afghanistan. And somebody posted on Facebook like nine people That have been killed. And it was weird because there's a lot of kids that I used to teach that are in the military. So I I was going through each one, like separately. I was like sort of pointing to each one to myself. And just praying that it was none of the kids that I knew. And thank God it wasn't this time. The world is messed up. The world is messed up. We need to have a different perspective of what's going on. You might be angry at God because of some circumstances that have happened during the course of your life. But your anger is misplaced. The anger should be against sin. It should be against the evil one that's causing all this mess. We should be praising God who gives us a way out. He's a problem solver, not a problem maker. So what I want to do this morning in the time that we have is go through four of the things that we went over with the kids. So they had a Bible story every day. So what I would like you to do now is turn to Daniel chapter 3. Let's exercise our fingers, or if you have your... uh, Device, Just go to Daniel chapter 3. And Thais, you can pop that first one up there. The image of gold. And we're going to start with verse 1. Daniel chapter 3. Now the title of the message today is Earth, Wind, and Fire, Rocks. Hello? Earth, wind, and fire. Box. Remember earth, wind, and fire? Yeah, you have to. I see a lot of gray here. Okay. All right. For the young people, that was a group. And now earth, wind, and fire is rocking, but in a chair. Okay. All right. So, chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. Jump down to verse 4. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn and the other instruments, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." Go to verse 12. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. It's amazing, even back then, right? Everybody they had government control, Oh. Okay, verse uh, 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn and all those instruments... In symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now you see up on the screen right now a form of that image, but it was more like this form. That they had to worship. Just something that wasn't God, something that the king of the government of Babylon wanted people to bow down to. He wanted to have that control over these people. And one of the things too, I'm sure a lot of you know, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that wasn't their names by birth. That was a name the Babylonians, the world, gave them. But their real names is back in Daniel 1. And here it is, verse 7. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. So those were their Jewish names. Now, back in verse 16 of Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebi was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor, who were in his army, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Those were like the Navy SEALs. Those were like the Delta Force, these mighty men of valor. These were the the prime guys of prime-time military. Verse 21, Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Down to the middle of uh, verse 22. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Lord, he answers, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth, the fourth is like the Son of God. Go to the next slide, please. I don't know if anybody is aware of this. This is called the giant. It's supposed to be in 21 cities in the next several months, here throughout the world on our planet. It's just called the giant. And it's about 10 stories tall. And if you, you can see the base of it, and that is actually a store down there where you can go in and get photos and the whole thing. If we could have the next one, Thais, please. Now, the weird thing about this giant is that it can become whoever you want it to be. So example here is Spider-Man. Other examples, you can look it up yourself, is like John Lennon or Michael Jordan, or it can be any king, any president, can be ever who they wanna program into it. And for a fee, you can go and get a selfie. You would become that giant. And you can go up on that ledge that you see behind Spider-Man And you can view the city from the uh, shoulders of whatever image is up there. Interesting, isn't it? The giant. Going to come into 21 cities throughout the world. The MO of the enemy has never changed. To elevate and glorify man. To get eyes off of Christ. To get your eyes off of Jesus is the goal of the enemy. To put you in a place where you don't think about God and you don't think about eternity. When do you normally think about eternity? When someone passes. But we should be living with eternity stamped on our heart. Not just waiting for certain moments in our life when we have to think about it. Eternity is one heartbeat away, regardless of an age. This world is passing away. We need to be getting ready for eternity. You can go to the next slide, Thais, please. Verse 25, again, look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then they came out from the midst of the fire. Verse 27. They saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power, the hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word. And yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Can we say that? Have we sold out to Christ that no matter what we go through, He's with us in the midst of what we're going through? And as I was preparing this, I was thinking fire is also symbolic throughout Scripture of the Holy Spirit who lives in you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. He's with you wherever you go. God himself, the third person of the Trinity. So in the midst of whatever you're going through, good or bad, he's there with you. And we'll usher you from this life to the next. Whenever that may be. I hope we all go in the rapture. We all go together. Bang, that'd be awesome. But if not, it's okay. It's okay. Ready? Look. How many times you blinked just now when I said okay? In that blink, we are in the presence of Jesus Christ. Bang. We don't know death. We don't know death. We don't know death. We blink. when in the presence of Jesus. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. I don't know about all of you, but that's pretty cool for me. I'm good with that. I'm very good with that. We all are going to get... New bodies. Kids don't think that way. I want a new body. I want the little fro coming back. I want to get back to those days. They're coming. Oh my goodness, I can't wait. Notice what happened in the last reading in verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar Bless the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When you and I go through the fiery trials of life, and we put our hope in the Lord, people are impacted. Even non-believers. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, was a nut. He was crazy. But the Lord loved him. Put him out in a field, started grazing for seven years, grew long finger nails. And we believe he came to the Lord. How about that? What an impact people of God had on him because they would not bow down to things were contrary to God. Okay, flip over to 1 Samuel. So that was the fire of the message. That was fire. Earth, wind, fire, rocks. Now we're going to go to rocks. Jesus, the rock of your salvation. <clears throat> the co- true cornerstone. The chief cornerstones that the builders rejected. Verse 1. Now the Philistines. You can put that image up, Thais. There's the boy. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. I'm in verse 1. And were gathered at Succoth, which belongs to Judah. Verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah. Verse 3. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain of the other side, with a valley between them. And a loser, I'm sorry, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath, from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And if we look up on the image here, it says a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath. And it says six cubits, which is about nine feet, six inches. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of armor. 5,000 shekels, which is approximately 100 and almost 130 pounds. And then it goes down, and his, his spear, approximately 8 feet inches. And it weighed approximately 100, oh, I'm sorry, it weighed 15 pounds. So that's, all that, that's how strong that guy was, wearing stuff that was over 100 pounds, carrying a weapon that was 15 pounds. So in the world standard, he was big and bad. He was very intimidating. You ever have anything in your life that's like a Goliath? That's intimidating? That seems like you can't beat it? That's just overwhelming? Verse 8 Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servant of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David, ah, now David, was the son of that Ephratite of Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, whose name was Jesse. Drop down to verse 14. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. This is the David who wrote a lot of the Psalms. This was King David, the king who will reign one day with Jesus in Israel for a thousand years. We're going to see that. We're going to be there. We're going to see King David. But King David is going to see you. He's going to be pumped too. It's going to be reciprocal. Because you're children of a living God. Because you and I are sons and daughters of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Verse 16, and the Philistine drew near and presented to him 40 days, morning and evening. 40 days, they say after 30 days is a habit. 40 days he came out and just challenged the people of God. Just challenged them. Put them down. We live in a world that is negative, we live in a world that puts people down, especially the children of God. Put us down. They don't want to hear from us. They don't don't like the truth. They want to live in the lie. That's what they believe. The lie, those red letters of lie, believe, lie. They love that. They love to relish in that. They're living in darkness. They believe the father of lies. We don't. But how much of your belief is a lie because you don't know the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Verse 17. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brother an effort of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. Drop down to verse 20. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep. I'm sorry. Oh, we're good. Verse 20. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came... To the camp as the army was going to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army, and David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then, as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. These were the people of God who ran. We don't have to run from anything, everybody. Our God is the king warrior who's with us. In that fiery furnace. He's with us in the battle against the Goliaths of the world. The, the things that seem too big for us. The, the things that seem like they're just going to overcome us. Jump down to verse 26. And David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills his Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this? uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. See, David was in a covenant. He was in a blood covenant with God. So are you. So am I. We're in a blood covenant. It's sealed by the blood of Christ. We're in a blood covenant with the living God. Not the dead God. The living God. Goliath is dead. He's in eternity. No longer a factor on this earth. He had a temporary existence. He's gone. Verse 28. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom... You left those few sheep in the wilderness. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Verse 31. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, who was a king. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now it's very important if you don't know the story of David and Goliath. David was a teenager. He was a teenager. He was a boy. Wasn't an adult. Wasn't in his twenties. Goliath was a man. This was just a kid. Verse thirty-three. And Saul said to David, "You are not able to go against the Philistines to fight with them, for you are a youth." And he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after him and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. He's against my God. This guy doesn't stand a chance. God has prepared me through all the things he put me through. Everybody thought David's job was insignificant. All his big bad eight brothers thought he was a little run of the litter. That he was doing nothing. That they were in the army. They were men. You ever feel like you're insignificant? Insignificant. That God can't use you? That's how David was. That's how the world looked at him. But it was a lie. David didn't believe a lie. He didn't believe that at all. God gave him a personality. And he lived in that personality that God blessed him with. Verse 37 Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivers me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. Notice the influence again, just like we saw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the influence of David, a teenager who stood and honored God, how his influence on another king that the king Saul would say, go and the Lord be with you. Let's jump down to verse 42. And when when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you should come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear and with iron drones and with jets For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. We live in tremendous biblical times. I don't know how much you're following what's going on over in Afghanistan, but billions of dollars of our military weapons are now in the hands of the Taliban. God is lining up again his power and glory to be exposed in a world that has turned its back on them. But not us Davids, not us Shadrach, Meshachs, and Abedigos, not the Ruths and the Marys and the Hannahs, no, we're just waiting for our God to deliver us because He is capable and worthy, amen, right? He's going to do that, we're going to see that, we're not going to read about it, we're going to be in the picture, we're going to be in the story. We're going to be actresses and actresses in that story. That's going to be awesome. Verse 48. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew to drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. How cool. <laughs> is that he ran to meet Goliath. He didn't run away. He didn't go hide. He wasn't like the king who was hiding in his tent with all the soldiers. He ran. Come on, bring it on. The God in me is greater than the God you worship, big guy. Verse 49, and David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran, stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him. And cut off his head. One way to get ahead in life. Is trust in the living God. Right? You want to get ahead in life? Become a believer in Jesus Christ. Be born again. And you'll get ahead. While everybody else loses theirs. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead. (laughs) They ran. They ran. Their belief was a lie. It was a lie. They thought they knew the truth. Whew. All righty. How are we doing? We good? All right. You want to do jumping jacks and then sit down again? Are we okay? All right. Okay. Let's go to that, was the rocks. Let's go to the water. Ready for the water? Diving in? Okay. Let's go to Matthew, chapter 14, verse 22, Matthew 14, 22. Before I read it, take a look up on top, where are you? Where are you up there? Are you in the boat, or are you where Pete is? Think about it as we read this next one. So we're in verse 22 of chapter 14. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So they just came from feeding 5,000 men. And we're thinking there was probably 5,000 women. There might have been one kid. So there might have been 15,000 people that Jesus fed with just a little bit of food. So there was a miracle that just took place. So now he's telling his guys to get in the boat and go to the other side. Verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Do you know that Jesus Christ is praying for you right now? Whoever you are. Whatever's going on in your life. Whatever hard times you're having with yourself, with others, or even with God himself. He's praying for you to soften your heart to just come into your life in a more powerful way to just come upon you with this Holy Spirit to get you ready for the next thing that's coming in our lives in your individual life or our life as a family of God in this world verse um, 24 now I'm going to go back to verse 23 and when he had sent the multitudes away he went up on the mountain by himself to pray that's awesome now when evening came he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, the Sea of Galilee, which is where they were, Jesus was up on the mountain, and from where he was, actually from the shore, you, could, you can see across the Sea of Galilee. You can see north, south, east, and west. You can see it. Up in the mountain just gives you even a better vantage point. So he saw the boat. He saw them in the boat. He saw the storm clouds, because he made them. He he felt the wind, because he caused it. He saw the waves getting rougher, because he created them too. And he saw his buds in the boat, because he created them too. He knew what was coming. He knew what was coming. Remember that. This is not a surprise to Jesus. Verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, "Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water." So he said, "Come." And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, "Lord, save me!" And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, "O oh, you of little faith, why did do you doubt?" And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I don't know if it's when I first became a Christian, back when I was a junior in college, or right after. This was one of the first object lessons that God ever penetrated my, penetrated my heart with. And, we, and all these stories, you remember, we shared with the kids this week in VBS. So, storms of life. God uses everything, the rocks... The water, the fire, to get our attention, to purify us, to get us ready for eternity. We're only passing through this world. He's getting us ready for forever. For forever. So the storms that come in your life, do you look at the storms? Do you look at the waves and the wind? But the most important thing here, the lesson is, as we saw that one of the little girls said, keep your eyes on Jesus. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. In the good and the bad. Keep your eyes on him. And it says, Jesus says, oh you of little faith, why do you doubt? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The more You hear the word of God. The more you read the word of God, the more you take in God's word, the stronger your faith becomes. Last one Earth. The earth. Let's go to Acts chapter 16 verse 16 Acts 16 verse 16 Now it happened as we went to prayer do you go to prayer do you talk to your god do you tell him your hurts your your worries your anxiety your desires, your needs, your love. Do you do that? David did it in almost all the Psalms he wrote. Talk to God if you haven't. He's waiting for you to talk to him. We're going to be talking for eternity to him. We might as well get used to practicing it now. Now, it happened as he went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Demons are real, they work through the media, they come upon believers and mess them up. They can possess non-believers and mess them up and have a tremendous bad influence on the world. And I think we're living in a world that is definitely influenced by demons. And definitely there are a lot of people who are possessed by demons. And it's going to get worse and worse, especially when all the believers are taken away. And God just turns over this world to a Christ-rejecting world because they want it. They don't glory in his appearing. They're not looking forward to that. They want to be part of this world system. Verse 17, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaims to us the way of salvation. You think that's pretty good, right? This girl, this demon-possessed girl, look what she's saying. Looks pretty good right there. Verse 18, and this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. Why? Because, see, this girl didn't live for Jesus Christ. She was a fake. She was pointing people to Jesus, but she was a freak show. She wasn't bringing honor and glory to God even though what she was saying was true. See, people want to see you real. They want to see you normal. They want to see you living your life with the personality that God gave you. In a world that's getting darker and darker, and you're going to shine brighter and brighter if your faith is growing stronger and stronger. Verse 19, But when her master saw... That their hope of profit was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened them in their stocks. But, remember now Jesus before? Now there's a but. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now here are two guys, as you see up in the picture, they've been beaten, they're in a cold, dark inner prison. They were deep in the belly of the prison. And it was late at night. Who knows what insects were crawling on them and they couldn't swat them off. Who knows how many flies were biting them and go into their wounds, and they couldn't brush them off. So they had a pity party. They become very, very depressed. They curse God and wanted to die. No. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Huh. Whoa! They were praying and singing hymns in one of the darkest points of their life. How do you and I act at the darkest points of our life? Notice again, in verse, end of verse 25, it wasn't just Paul and Silas there, there were prisoners who were watching and listening. They weren't singing with these guys. They heard singing at midnight when they were trying to fall asleep, wondering if the next day they were going to go and die. Verse 26. And here's the earth part. I just left out the quake. Earthquake. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. What kind of earthquake? Great. (laughs) It was a great earthquake. There's going to be an earthquake, you know. When Jesus comes back, he's going to land on the Mount of Olives and it's going to split. And then he's going to walk into the city of Jerusalem. Guess what? We're going to see it. We're going to be right with him. We're going to be right there when the earth is quaking. And they're shaking, just like the kids up in the thing. They're shaking. I think we'll just be like this. This is cool. This is good stuff. Is the Lord shaking you right now, your world, to get your attention? So when the great earthquake comes, you'll be pumped and just saying, Lord, what's next? Let's go. Let's do this. So that the foundation of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. They weren't bound anymore. Remember the fire? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Their hands were bound. When they came out of the fire, they didn't smell like fire anymore. But they weren't bound anymore. And notice here again, the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew a sword and was about to kill himself. He was going to commit suicide. He was so worried what the government control was going to do, he was ready to do himself in. Suicide rate over the past year has been one of the highest ever in the history of our planet. Why? People have no hope. They don't know Jesus Christ, the giver of life, the giver of hope, the person who changes our heart. They need to hear about Jesus. We need to pray for these kids that are going back into schools, K through seniors in college. We need to pray for their teachers. What do they believe? How much of that belief is a lie? 28, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourselves no harm. We're all here. Verse 29, then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here's another guy like Shadrach and the boys. Like David, like our Lord Jesus on the water. By doing the right thing, he got the attention of people who didn't believe. They they were drawn to them because there was something different going on here that they've never seen before. Everybody, the living God is in you doing mighty things to others through you. How much do you give yourself to God to allow that to happen? Verse 31 as we wrap. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night Wash their stripes. I just thought of that. By his stripes, we're healed. By his stripes, we're healed. Jesus paid the price for each of us. And immediately, he and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. The greatest thing... It's not the number of championships your NFL Major League Baseball team wins. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. I was fortunate enough to be a coach who won very few games and won a lot of games. Got trophies, championships, and had losing seasons. It was awesome. It was good. Awesome. It's done. The best part of our lives is ahead of us. Not today. Not yesterday. The best is coming. What must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Guys, you can come up. Are we playing a song, Pastor Paul? Yeah. So, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe somebody's watching today. Maybe there's a visitor here today. We saw two Old Testament stories, two New Testament stories, all true all true, for that time of history. Now is our time of history. We need to be those heroes. We can't be as, a, you know, everybody thought Goliath was a hero. He was a hero. He didn't know God. The heroes are those who place their trust in the hero of heroes, Jesus Christ.
0: You've been listening to where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.